You're listening to the Plus Music Podcast with Brian and Nick. Well, we're talking to artists about what it's like to get your music heard in the ever-changing music industry. Uh, how it is to use tools like social media and other platforms as an independent artist in a changing music business. Today we sit down with Los Angeles-based singer, songwriter, and activist Leo C.I. Leo talks to us about his journey from musician to becoming a songwriter, his collaborative projects, landing his music in such series as HBO's Warrior and Netflix's Woo Assassins, and how the best investment he's benefited from is investing in bettering himself. Here's more from Leo now. Welcome to the Plus Music Podcast. We're sitting down today with Los Angeles-based singer, songwriter, and activist, Leo Shaw. A couple facts that we learned about you, Leo, before we jump into the interview here. We heard about you actually when your music was in uh, HBO Max's Warrior series, but your music's also been heard on Netflix, Woo Assassins, BuzzFeed, Yellow Ranger. Your music's been compared to the likes of Sufjan Stevens and Ed Sheeran. You've had the opportunity to share the stage with Snoop Dogg, which we got to hear about that during this interview. Uh, we became familiar with your album 384, but you've released a couple singles in the last year, including The Village, Anything But You and Angels. We can't wait to hear more about your story and what you have in store for us this year. Welcome to the show, Leo Shah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I just yeah, got it. There it is. Yeah, we're uh, doing a little <laughs> tutorial. We'll, we'll do a little. No, no worries. We'll I think I just now. overthink things, so I apologize, Leo. Yeah. No, no, it's all good. It, yeah, sometimes like, I look uh, at the word "the" and it just looks weird, mm-hmm, and it messes true. me up. So I feel, I feel that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, thanks for joining well, us, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. So we always start out kind of at the beginning. Um, when did you, what got you into music? Who, who inspired you to want to do your own? Yeah. So, I mean, like many Chinese kids, I grew up playing violin and piano, but that was more of a, you know, parents being like, Hey, try this out. Maybe you like it. Maybe you won't give it a shot. Um, and at that point it felt like music wasn't really something I was into. Um, yeah. wasn't something I was excited about. Didn't mm-hmm. feel like a, you know, felt like a repetitive task versus like a tool of creation, mm. uh, as I as I know it now. And I remember in eighth grade, I took this enrichment class called Rock Band. So if you can imagine the chaos of twenty middle schoolers, ten of which had electric guitars, yeah, plugged into amps, trying <laughs> to play Nirvana uh, with this poor, you know, <laughs> Mr. McCormick. Shout out to Mr. McCormick, yeah. our band director. <laughs> Um, and I never played keys in like a band or anything. So I just signed up for this thing and, uh, stuck me on keys and pressed like an electric organ sound just yeah. so it fit the electric, you know, the rock band <laughs> vibe. And yeah, I remember it was like playing smells like teen spirit. And I was like, Whoa, this is music can be, you know, can be more exciting than the classical. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it opened my eyes to a lot of, a lot, a lot of things. And But what about there. the 10 guitar players? Was it just chaos and mush? It was chaos. Yeah. <laughs> it probably contributed, you know, a large percentage of my journey towards tinnitus, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, I love the chaos though. I mm-hmm. think going from like playing classical piano, like, you know, the exam circuit of like, grade one, grade two, mm-hmm. you know, oral training, all this, you know, music theory stuff that was so rigid. And so it's either this way or you're wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Getting no. into rock band and embracing the chaos of that and seeing, you know, this, this older dude just 
<laughs> directing us and being yeah. like, you know, it's not perfect, but right rock and roll guys like, i mean it's killer cool. like i did the same thing like if you're not into it like my parents put piano lessons on me at like a really young age but same thing i didn't find the the jive playing mm-hmm. you know major chords and air supply songs at piano recitals like until people made funny yeah. until the sun came up but it was a rolling stones vhs i saw when i was like in sixth grade Nice. And it was chaos. It was like Keith Richards playing, just throwing his hands everywhere and noise and drums. And yeah. yeah, as a kid, man, yeah, you want to throw mud, play in the dirt, get get wild and crazy. It just, it's um, it's amaz- amazing kind of the capability you have when you turn the corner of taking it as like a lesson as opposed to like, this is really cool and fun. Mm-hmm. So you, so yeah. you were, so that was Nirvana. And then what happened next? Yeah. So what happened next was I was a very romantically minded young, young man. I loved the love songs, loved all that. So I started writing my own uh, piano instrumentals yeah. like that, that felt like sounded like love songs. And then um, I remember not actually singing until around, yeah, around eighth grade because even looking back, I remember feeling this connotation of like, oh, like boys don't sing. Like this yeah. is not a thing that boys do. And I, I met a friend, Ben Chang. Um, he was new to my school that year. And he was the first guy I met that was just like, I love singing. I will sing all day. I'll sing mm-hmm. karaoke. I'll sing these ballads. You know, I'll sing everything. And I, I formed a band with me, him, and this guy, other guy who was a drummer. And eventually i joined we had another enrichment called boy sing in eighth grade it was an all boys uh you know choir yeah and we only had like eight guys but you know we made it we made it work but that was my first exposure to like whoa you know i could i could sing too like this is mm-hmm. this is fun too this is like you know a deeper form of expression to me you know like i am the i am the instrument like this is coming out of my lungs the resonance yeah. and everything um something struck deeper there too and then from there wrote my first song for my first girlfriend at the time so that was that was the origin story uh for me and then from there i just got hooked onto it like whoa this is some how we're talking about a creative tool a tool mm-hmm. of expression um that was just that's just how it, how it came to me and mm-hmm. yeah and then to fast forward a little a little bit got to college um stopped writing love songs for a bit because I, I just got really sick of it from writing so many <laughs> in high school. And I was like, what do, what do I want to write about then? And actually arriving at USC. And uh, so I grew up in Beijing for most of my life. Mm, and that's, know that's that. what, yeah, that's where I went to school and everything. Um, and an international school. So pretty like Western American okay. based education. And uh, I came, I came back, uh, went to USC and just began learning a lot about American history um, especially Asian American history, like how did mm-hmm. Asian people end up, you know, in, in mm-hmm. the States, like way back in 1800s, like building railroads, all this crazy history that I had never been provided before or thought to seek out, um, back when I was in high school, which is like, whoa, this, there's a lot, there's a lot to this that informs, you know, my own family history, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know? So for example, like it was cold war America and they wanted the best engineers, the best scientists, from around the world to like, you know, help with the technology and Heck everything. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they provided 
you know, passports, but only to like the most technically skilled people, not just from Asia, but just all around the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and there's a, it's called the brain drain and learning about, Oh, that's why my parents came to the States because they were valued for a skill set that they, Mm -hmm. that they had. And then thinking about, Oh, like, why do people think Asians are so good at math or so good at, you know, STEM and stuff. It's like, there's, there's truth to it, but deeper than the surface truth is like, oh, it's actually informed by global policy. And for me, learning about these things was like, whoa, this provides context to a lot of wow, yeah. my lived experiences or experience of people's expectations of me. Mm. Like, whoa, this is so much more than just like, oh, well, these people are just like this or these people are just like this. There's like, there's culture, there's, there's sociopolitical history to it. So yeah, going back to music in college, I wrote a lot about that, what it means to be Asian American, what it means to grow up by, bicultural. Mm-hmm. I found that just super fascinating too. And then just started learning from a bunch of different people that grew up in different ways culturally and seeing mm-hmm. where we differ, where, where we're actually very similar. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where a lot of my writing came from during the that's, college time. At least. That's cool. And then, so you do mostly hip hop stuff now right or what's the is it yeah yeah so so (laughs) to explain where i'm at music music wise right now uh i have the whole singer songwriter thing which is where you know yeah which i've heard it's really good yeah thank you um i'm actually rebranding currently to a more r&b r&b kind of sound for my personal brand so that's kind of in process right now so i'm going to be under a new artist name and and everything so that's that's something happening right now and yeah with jason we have this chinese american trap hip-hop group Mm -hmm. called night market yeah it's like high energy high energy hip-hop music um i rap in mandarin on that on that project and that's yeah that's like been pretty separate from my own brand but starting mm -hmm. to like meld and be closer together yeah and so and we're we're, we've been we've been in touch with 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 Jason and you guys for, for that nice. for a while. And then, and then his solo stuff, but, um, what, uh, and that's, so that's like, um, let's take it to, let's just go fast forward. You got some tunes and some different sure. shows. Um, yeah. I was watching that show warrior recently mm-hmm. cool. and I was like, in my head, I was like, this is, this is like, is Jason choose music? Like this, like all the stuff that yeah. I've been hearing from, from that, you know, like, I'm like, is it gotta be it? Or, you know, like mm-hmm. the ending is always like this really cool hip hop. And then they have like, starts out with like, it's got a really wide variety of sound of, of, of right. styles in it. Um, where, so you got, you got connected to that show then? Yeah. So the history of that was Jason, Jason was connected to this guy called Chops and Chops is he's like in this OG group called the Mountain Brothers and they were the first Asian American hip hop act to be signed to a major wow like ever and now what Chops is up to is he does a lot of stuff in sync yeah mm. so he's a he's a producer you know makes creates music and and pitches it the whole the whole thing and uh him and Jason got connected I think at a conference years back uh. and yeah, I got connected and like, Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a rapper, you know, and then it'd been years since that. And, um, 
eventually, you know, he saw opportunities, a lot of opportunities in sync for um, Chinese music or like Chinese versions of English songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for for just us as a group, um, definitely saw an explosion of opportunities after Crazy Rich Asians, uh, just like this huge interest in, you know, Asian music and how mm-hmm. it can it can be um, used in an American context to tap to tap into a different audience, into mm-hmm, the Asian yeah. American audience. Um, like for example, I've done I've done national commercials, vo- vocal work for national commercials for like Panda Express, too. Since then, and and many other kind of sync opportunities that are looking specifically for like, hey, that's we crazy. need a, we that's need really like great. an American Chinese person that speaks both English and Chinese mm-hmm. that can help us translate contextualize, make sure it's all good and, and mm-hmm. makes makes sense. So for me, as a Chinese, basically a Chinese American person who grew up in China, it was, it's just perfect because I'm right. able to walk into a studio and be like, hey, I know the language. I can provide, you know, that consultation. But also I'm American, so I can I can communicate with these studio guys and it's it's just it's just you, seamless. You speak yeah. Uh, Mandarin? Yeah, I speak Mandarin. Okay. Because there's a, the other major language is Cantonese, right? Cantonese. Yeah. Fun fact: Cantonese was actually my first language, but I forgot it like super clean after oh, I went really? back to to China. Yeah, yeah. I spoke it. It's, it's my, like a yeah, completely. My dad's Cantonese. It's really different. It's almost it's a whole different language, right? Like there's nothing together. I I went to Japan, yeah. to China back in like 2018. Um, went to shanghai and then like the na- a few neighboring cities and then flew out to the west coast to uh nice the yunnan province and then, oh yunnan yeah and then we went up to this town called shangri-la right mm-hmm. it's like in the it were tea farms it's really 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 pretty um and you know you don't somebody was recommending we don't rent a car there because they're like people will just like hit you and get yeah it's a mess so they're like just just <laughs> rent, just just like hire a driver so we mm-hmm. got we got a driver and there was a, a um um well actually we hired a tour guide who spoke english because out there a lot less english spoken where they were going to take us so right it worked out really well to have somebody and, and i was just talking with her and she was telling me about her experience and um you know she was like yeah there's something like 250 different languages that are spoken in china Mm-hmm. And there's like some like 50 different nationalities and, and, um, you know, you don't like out here, I don't know a lot of people that know those facts that like China mm-hmm. is such a diverse, um, mm-hmm. population. It's like right there. It's like every state in America would be, we all speak different languages mm-hmm. and we speak Mandarin, you know, cause it's the national language, but in addition, and in yeah. addition to that, and they all consider themselves completely different people, you know. So there's always mm-hmm. not, it's 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 it was really fascinating to to know more about uh, about China, you know. So when when you I mean, think or you write songs, or even when you dream, are you dreaming in Mandarin or writing in Mandarin in your head and translating it to English? Like, do you kind of come up with your storyline in Mandarin and then figure out a way to tell the story in English, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I'd, I'd say just because of, of the education system I went through, I'm still much more Americanized. So English is definitely my more fluent language. Okay. Um, right. 
Yeah, but I would say, you know, my my Chinese is my Mandarin is better than most maybe Asians that grew up here in the states mm-hmm. just cuz I grew up in Beijing. I was, I was immersed in it. Yeah. Uh, so definitely in terms of in terms of writing, I, I think about the concept first in English and then I'm like, okay, how can I how can I make this make sense in in Mandarin? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very if it cool. even fits, if it even if it even works. That's a great mm-hmm. question though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I dream in I dream in English like where my mind naturally goes is English. Right. Because I've heard, you know, there are big, you know, international artists that, um, you know, think in their native language and dream in their native Mm -hmm. language, but write music in English. And I've heard that process of like, you know, I get a story and then I translate it in my head and and it's a freaking awesome song. (laughs) Um, Yeah, definitely. I mean, the yeah, the Panda Express commercial I did, uh, we did a Mandarin version of Achy Breaky Heart. By, by Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, sweet! <laughs> and it was such it was such an interesting process because I was I was with this guy from um, New Math Studios, and we were like, "Well, do we want it to sound more like Billy Ray Cyrus, but like Billy Ray Cyrus if he could speak Mandarin, like but with the twang and everything, or do we want it to sound more like as if a straight up Chinese person was doing their rendition of it?" Mm-hmm. So it was like this back and forth of like, "Okay, well, commercially for what we're looking at for this commercial, what's what's the fit here and what we ended up going out out with was like yeah it's okay if the pronunciation doesn't sound 100 percent there like we're yeah. going to prioritize the twang over uh oh, that language awesome. authenticity yeah so. I get, is that commercial on youtube or anything you know what's funny it was on youtube and then they actually took it down oh, it's on some like other right. random website i don't i don't know why they took it down what, what uh, should it, i it was, what should i search for to hear that track uh Sichuan Nashville hot chicken commercial panda. I think there's there's some link up there, but it was a seasonal item. So I think that's why maybe uh, it wasn't relevant Bring anymore. It back. So they so they so they took it down. I uh, I, it once, though. I just it's tasty, watched it's a tasty item. I just watched that movie. Um I'm a little late to the to the party here, but that movie uh Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I started it. And and there's two songs in there. There's a Beatles song in German and a David Bowie song in, in German. And they're both being sung actually by them. I didn't know that that uh really? it's the heroes track. I'm pretty sure it's heroes. Well, there was that German. Wes Anderson movie too, where was it a Wes Anderson movie where that guy's uh Sal God, I can't remember his name. Serge, oh, something did yeah, the whole boat. No, down. that was a life aquatic, but yeah. Um, but no, this is like a full on, like, sounds exactly like the song, but in German. Oh, that's um, crazy. just watch awesome. the movie, but but it's it, it's 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 it was just like, wait, this sounds ju- like I just didn't know anything about mm-hmm. it. Anyways, back to you, Leo. Um, I would take us take us off on a tangent, yeah. Um, so, so you so you're getting into these shows and, and you, you found like a good network. You have a bunch of friends that are doing music that are hustling and getting you where you want to go and everybody's going that direction. What's what's the last year been like since since there's no live shows or you know, you guys mm-hmm. can't get together normally? Have you been writing a lot? Yeah, so even um, you know, the arc of of Night Market has been interesting because maybe about a year before the pandemic. So actually as Night Market as a group, we we've been creating videos for a while, just creating content, seeing what sticks. 
And it got to a point where we're like, this has been a lot of investment for um, not enough results based on what we've been putting in. So we actually took a hiatus for almost like half a year and we're like, you know, we each got our own creative projects. Let's, let's go after that. And um, so with Chops, then these sync opportunities came up, right? And then he's been sending us a ton of beats to just write to and, you know, kind of expand both of our libraries. And we had this song called Bag That Bow that was on one of Chops's beats and that ended up being kind of a breakout single mm, for nice. for us. You know, it went, it went viral in some different communities and that's what kind of re-kickstarted our group again. So we were able to, like, off the momentum of that, you know, get, get an agent, <clears throat> uh, do a mini, you know, four-stop across the U.S. tour. And we were, pre-COVID, we were actually... Uh, prepping a completely new album nice. we were writing like a song a week we were meeting like <laughs> weekly as the three of us and just writing 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 uh for like months straight until we you know whittled down to those final ones for the ep and our our tour our first national tour that we were planning like a eight to ten stop national tour was supposed to happen last may and then in oh. march yeah in March when it all shut oh. down. Luckily, you know, we didn't put like a ton of down payments into like venues or, or anything like that. It could have been so much could have been so much worse. But mm -hmm. um yeah, that that really kind of stopped us in our tracks and we're like, well, well, there's nothing really for, for us to do. Let's, you know, let's adjust, let's let's stay healthy, let's stay, let's stay safe. Um and for the most part had been pretty quiet night market wise through the pandemic. But just now, at the top of the new year, uh, we actually just performed for Netflix recently for their Asian nice. employee network. I saw I saw that on your Facebook. What what's that all about, and how how they do that with people? Yeah, so it's basically so basically apparently within Netflix, there's an organization called the Asian Employee Network. So it's mm. global. Um, just for in any office, you know, if you're an Asian employee of Netflix, this is the place to get together. You know, hang out, have have events. So they were doing this Lunar New Year, uh, just event to like celebrate with with everyone. And someone I knew from back at USC, Kieran, she works at she works at Netflix now. So she was like, "Hey, all in who you know, just keep validating that all." That's right. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's funny because you know we were really close back in college, but you know naturally, you just kind of people go down different paths. And she was like, "Hey, it's been a minute, but mm -hmm. we'd love to have you for this thing." And yeah, just feeling really blessed and just taking it as a sign of yeah it's time let's let's get back on this on mm -hmm. our music um you know there's things we can do even as the pandemic's going on just to you know set ourselves up for success for whenever it does um end or even just permanently adjust to a more digital a digital age so yeah that's yeah. That, that right there is interesting because we talk about that a lot about um you know, where is it going? Like, I, I've got the computer on an Oculus box. That's how I've kind of like put it uh, on this show. But I got I have the Oculus 2, the Quest 2. It's fucking awesome. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's like amazing. Like, I got this Darth Vader game, right? And, oh, I've heard of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Vader 3 is amazing. what it is. <laughs> and you, I was just in the training. I haven't done it. I've been so busy. I haven't played it in, in like a week. But when I first got it, I was geeking out on it. Like, you can use the force to like grab a, a lightsaber comes right to your hand and it like gives you like a little bit of shock, you know, so it feels uh, like it happened. And well, then, um, you know, you can like bounce like, uh, re like 
lasers back at the people. You, you know, it's fucking cool, dude. It's so cool. It's and insane. I don't, I mean, I think that like, that's such a cool, that's such a better experience for like a, a you know, some kind of concert online, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the 2D on a screen, you got, there's no, no, there's nothing. It's just very. So you could basically limited. feel the people bumping you, you're saying, well, with like that technology. Yeah. Like, well, boom, 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 it's boom. more like you're in it. It's just mm-hmm. the immersion. Like, immersion. I, mean, I don't have so a full haptic soup or anything. I don't even know if they make them rent in real life. But the point is that being able to just get fully immersed, see a band playing or the band's avatars playing or performing, and um you know being able to walk around there was there was some people there is some stuff going on with vr concerts and like there i was listening to i was on clubhouse listening to these these people talk about vr and music it's like a it was just a music industry conversation and somebody was doing some yeah. VR product and he was just like he's like it's weird because you're if you have friends you tend to like still kind of hang out together even right. in the digital environment and he's like then the artist was like over here with his manager and like nobody would they kind of like still kept their distance like <laughs> in the real life you know yeah. it's so strange so but at, at the end of the day you know like i see a world where and we just this isn't very groundbreaking but you know you could have any kind of concert going on at any time where you can mm-hmm. just enter these rooms where, you know, <laughs> night markets happening here, or Brian Carson mm-hmm. solo acts here, or whatever. And, yeah. and just being able to walk in and out of mm-hmm. the Casbah San Diego with multiple rooms inside of the VR space. Mm-hmm. Is this a thing we're going to see in our life? Oh, without a doubt. It's already almost there. <laughs> it's just, yeah. With Fortnite. They're mm-hmm. they're doing some concerts like that already, mm-hmm. and I mean yeah. their production quality on those things just oh insane. they're mega they're mega yeah those, those are the biggest concerts ever ever happened it's thirty was thirty five million and then the yeah. Roblox one with uh, with uh, Lil Nas X that was like mm-hmm. more so it's it's an insane amount of exposure it's clearly a top level exposure thing right now but. It'll yeah. get smaller and smaller, and it's just like if if um, I don't know if you're like in the game space at all, but there's there's the yeah. Epic Games guy. He's mm-hmm. all about this concept of the metaverse, right? So that mm-hmm. everything will eventually kind of cross over. You know, his whole thing yeah. started with why is PlayStation and and um, Xbox? Why can't they? Why can't players mm-hmm. talk to each other? Talk to each other. While they're playing cross the play. same game, it's stupid, you know. And so they fix that. Yeah, cross-platform and, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's about bringing all the platforms together so that you're not limited by hardware to be able to have the experience that really we're all looking for, which is cooler things. And if it's in VR, it's fucking cool, you know. The the only thing yeah. that we're just we're just stuck because 
not everybody has a device, you know, and that's really mm-hmm. the hardware is the, is the issue. But. I didn't realize they were so panned like that, like until recently, like, uh-huh. like when I was a kid, it was like, dude, have you seen Poltergeist? You want to borrow it? Oh, is that VHS? I have beta. Yeah, you know, like there was. I heard about like beta. I never knew anybody that had beta. Though. <laughs> All of like, my right, my so. rich friends, my my wealthier family friends had beta because that was like it's kind of like the Apple, but it was Sony. Like Sony was like, oh, beta can only be played on the Sony beta. Uh, VHS is like, fuck it, we'll license it to Mitsubishi, Hitachi, Yamaha, and yeah. you know, everybody made a VHS, and it just swallowed beta. But that's crazy, and. I mean, God, what a different universe it's created now with people being able to cross over no matter what car they're driving, so to speak. Yeah, or even or even like cross interests too, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think the age old like, oh, you got the nerds over there with their video games and stuff. And you got the jocks like that's just not true anymore. You Mm -hmm. know, yeah, like there's people that are interested in sports and videos games at the same time. Like for me, I'm a huge I'm a huge anime fan. you know, my dream is to write an anime opening song or like yeah. a, an anime ending song, you know, and, and stuff like that. So it's just like seeing people have so many different interests now. Mm-hmm. So I think exploring how those different things can intersect in new ways is what gets people excited about things. Yeah. That's why I've been yeah. seeing culturally. Yeah, I think, I think it's, I think that that what you're talking about is a thing. The music industry, like, has, has notoriously been very, siloed you know like to get Mm -hmm. access to music has been very expensive it's legally complex it's like all these issues um so therefore like the music that we love doesn't always end up in the experiences that we actually do all the time you know like yeah and i see that thawing out you know it's still going to take some time but the opportunity is just too big like the gaming industry is bigger than all of the entertainment industries combined. Right. So, yeah. And that's, that's like, you can't, you can't look away after that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to the, to, to you, your career and everything that you've been doing, Leo, it's like, what do you think that has been like, if you were to give advice to, to other musicians getting started, well, it sounds like network has been super important for you. Um, yeah. What are the other things that you would say besides just like building network, staying at it, you know, like the typical stuff? What would you would you say would have made a difference to you that, that you would think of? Yeah, maybe would have been counterintuitive to somebody else. Um, I think for me, it was actually investing in a lot of personal development because I saw I saw um, I just reached this block in my creative process where I was like, why? Why doesn't creating feel good anymore? Because I remember in college, um, you know, it was just having so many new experiences and it was so easy for me to distill those new experiences and new emotions just into music just so easily. Like it just flushed right, right through me versus something about that switch of, you know, post-college being like, oh, I'm a musician out in the world now. I'm a professional now. Like this can't be, this can't be fun anymore. Like everything I put out has to be you know, gold or, or perfect or drive my f- career forward in, mm. in some way and lost some of that flow to the, to the process. Mm. Um, so actually doing some, yeah. So doing some, uh, personal development work, like, you know, courses, programs, like that kind of stuff. It allowed me, it gave, I, I invested in myself to give myself the space to think like, whoa, okay. Where are these blockers actually coming from? 
right? So for one example is like, oh, well, there's this deep sense of perfectionism. Perfectionism. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. growing up in Chinese culture, it's just like, don't put out something until it's, unless it's perfect, unless it's amazing. Why would you, why would you do that? Or, yeah. you know, a sense of like, it's got to be this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, otherwise don't do it. Yeah, that's a, or, or don't do it. That's super interesting. And I, I worked with musicians that, that were too perfection. That, that was just, it, it just it kept them from doing anything, really. Exactly. Uh, a paralysis. It's, analysis. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, really, a life's all about at bats, right? Mm-hmm. And the more songs you can finish looking back, it's the mistakes you make that you learn the most from. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you can, it's like I talk to sometimes like young, young artists and I'm like, oh this song, I'm like, it's okay. Write another one, you know? Yeah. And, and they're like, but they're so attached to this one. I'm like, dude, you got to write like one. 40 songs to get five really, really good songs. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. They just don't, to, uh... don't see that, you know? I 100% relate with that. That's that's how I was feeling. And that was what was preventing me to even pick up the guitar or pick mm-hmm. up the, the pen. And I, ta- I was talking to the creative director of um, this, this label that I'm in. And uh, he's like the producer as well. And we were, we were sitting down and we were like, okay, well, you know, how long do you want this project to be? Oh, maybe five songs. It's like, okay, well, that's probably going to mean at least 30, 40 songs that you're, that you're writing yeah. to completion. And then uh, probably around... 15 to 20 that we actually produce out and arrange. And then from there, we'll pick the best of the best. So it's not so much because even for my first, uh, my first EP uh, hyphenated, I remember just being like, what are my favorite six songs that I've mm-hmm. written so far, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And that was great at the time, just because, you know, there's less stress of having to write more songs specifically for a project. There was a lot of freedom in that. And I, I missed that time a little bit, but now it's just like I've, I've grown and now there's more intentionality to why I'm writing, mm-hmm. what it's doing, what it's doing for me. Um, so not that one phase is wrong, but it's just kind of different phases in mm-hmm. the cr- creative process in a, in a creative, in a creative career, I think. Yeah. I think that's why the sophomore slump for a lot of bands and, and artists is, is a real thing where, you know, you had your whole life to write that first record or, you know, it was all of the, of the needing to prove yourself or just not knowing the difference between good or bad or whatever mm-hmm. it made mm-hmm. it have its charm and then the second one you're like shit now this is real i gotta make it just as good as the last one and it rarely is you know um but yeah you know and you're talking about net and you were talking about network right and that's you know surrounding yourself with the right people but then what does right people mm-hmm. mean you know um and from what i've seen that's taken a lot of time to create is a network of people that not only want the best for me, but also are ready uh, to push me to, to challenge, to challenge me uh, to maybe stretch in directions that I haven't before, you know, not that that will necessarily be the final direction, but like, like Nick, you're talking about that, that bats, the ones to be like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, you're talented. Keep going, keep going, keep going to bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and this ties into even kind of your next phase as an artist because you know it's it hasn't really even been a year since like anything but you and angels which um 
is yeah. not is not going to be related to your new project from what i understand no yeah so angels was actually like the like the ending of leo Xia mm, interesting as, as it as it was so yeah if, you know if you're paying attention to my social media over the next few weeks it's going to be slowly phasing so out and announcing a new chapter what's the um what's the inspiration sound like if nobody wants to to you know say they sound like this but if you were to put yourself into a family of you said it was hip-hop earlier right the new track the new not night market it's your solo stuff but it's still hip-hop right um is there not a, so much hip-hop uh, more, no, more you said r&b that's right yeah so what would this what would an artist or two or three that maybe somebody could relate to yeah like an r&b you know kind of new wave r&b pop acts um khalid daniel daniel caesar um her are a few that come to mind and, and that's the interesting thing right about throwing references in there just as a beginning point but also being like okay well within this realm how can i create something that's just unique mm-hmm, to me yeah. and that's and that's the and that's the challenge um mm-hmm. but not being so attached to creating something completely unique that I'm just out of touch with what people are listening to. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these things, especially creative, um, just such a balancing act. And you said you were working with a producer on the, on this one. Did you do the, did you do the music too? Did you work with a beat writer? Or? Yeah. Most songs I, I start out writing on, on guitar and then okay. I'll have, you know, a rough arrangement sense of percussion in my mind but there's like a few producers that i work with closely yeah. where we've just developed mm-hmm. the sound over over years that I, I trust them to take what's in my head mm-hmm. or what i'm describing and just great to have get yeah it, get it great the to dog. have so for the end of leo sia are we gonna get like a big funeral over like a really heavily produced video funeral video kind of like <laughs> maybe like a november rain if you will or <laughs> um you know probably just probably just a merch a merch sale okay all right just to be like hey thank you everyone for uh rocking with me all these years here's a a discount if you want any of any of this stuff Um, i need this box empty yeah (laughs) (laughs) and just just a thank you Mm -hmm. you know um it's not like i'm going to take any of the old music off you know spotify or anything i'm leaving that up you know just for anyone to look through the discography but Mm -hmm just moving on mm-hmm. evolving and having that having that bo be okay yeah um, but absolutely. there's there is a sense of mourning in the sense mm-hmm. of and that's where i think a lot of the personal development merch came. with yeah. grave gravestones coffin end of leo <laughs> okay i'll stop that's right and it's like <laughs> it's like with that graphic it's like oh my god did he die like what's <laughs> what's going on why is merch on the tombstone mm-hmm. interesting cool, sales man. tactic yeah <laughs> so, so as we wrap up here you're you're coming out with the new tunes over the next couple of weeks you said like real soon yeah i got a new single locked and loaded nice and yeah When's, what give us a release a release estimation March 26th. All right. March 26th, the new the new singles dropping. So it's been hard Excellent. at work. Yeah. 
Nice. And then, um, so, you know, I got a couple more minutes. So you just like, how do you think about releasing a track right now in, in 2021, February, it's always changing new things to do, focus on what, where are you, mm. what are you putting your energy into? Yeah, I think, um, it's, it's been a real mindset shift just cause I think in, for me personally, 2020 was a lot of, can I get my bearings around why even make music? in in the first place because i think yeah. after the tour got canceled there's just this emptiness of man i just put my all into this thing into this project uh, for like half a year and now mm. nothing's coming out of it um it was devastating and there's a long time after that where i just didn't feel the urge to release anything and then when i did the perfectionism came back came back in so really what i'm focused on this year is is you know, definitely wanting to make sure everything I put out is like of a quality that I'm proud of to put out, not trying to just throw things out there for the sake of it, but also just leaning into the bravery and courageousness of let's, let's move fast and, and break things. Mm-hmm. And, and we can, we can adjust, we can adjust from there. Um, just moving beyond living in, in fear. Um, just seeing how fear has controlled a lot of how I was in 2020 to now being like, okay, well, where do I want to move away from fear? Yeah. Yeah. In many aspects of my personal life, but definitely in my music, definitely in my Mm -hmm. career. It's a great way to, great way to send us off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is the sound bite for every promo for this uh, podcast as well. There we go. Uh, Very well said, Leo. Really appreciate you, man. And um, we'd love to, uh, you know, let our listeners kind of get their best first impression of your music. Um, a lot of different groups and acts and to, to choose from. You're, you know, very well versed here. What, what should we play them to give them a first impression of you? Sure. I'll say, uh, play Bag That Bow by, by Night Market. That'll be, that'll be the track. Excellent. Oh, and then Leo, the, uh, where do they find your new, what's your new project called again? Uh, I haven't transitioned to the new artist name, but my okay. current Instagram is Leo Sound Music. Okay. Yeah. On all social media, Leo Sound Music. Okay. And that's L E O X I A Music. And that's mm-hmm. on all social, all the same. Spotify. Yeah. All Excellent. the things. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time, man. Really great talking. Appreciate it, Leo. We'll do it again. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. All right. Cheers, man. See ya. Rocking up weight on my apron, right? we do delivery catering. Bring it right to you, skin so thin I can see right through you with the night market burning midnight oil. Stop so hot I can wrap in foil. Pull up Lambo, try like Dumbo, hot pot water, look like Gumbo. Used to struggle, now we only order combo. Hot time, it bad. Low bass, it bad. Louis Vuitton, it bad. Linear, it bad. Chow down.
Yeah, I'm bagging about, keep it a hundred but stacking a thou. Cash like hush it, you'll cash if I shout. We back in your head like a cap and a gown. Bag is the weight like it's 500 pounds. Speed is offensive, I like how it sounds. Making me wanna go swim up a stream at a breakneck speed that'll break a canal. Yeah, ain't nothing breaking us now. Came a long way from the dirty south. Time I can live like a disco bow. She looking me like disco out. Yeah, shining like ain't nothing matter. I'm hitting the beat like a nail in the hammer. Eating the bow and it's making a splatter. Sky hook Kareem in the air like a jabber. Racing salty sound. Tony, trash your ball. Boy, 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 boy,